What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deeply focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I am joined here once again by my good friend and co-host and resident sleepy boy, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how's it going, bud? Hi, friends. I resent that because I am the sleepiest <laughs> boy. I, the sl- oh, I'm sorry. You are the, what I said wasn't a lie, though. You are the resident sleepy I'm, boy. I'm the resident sleepy boy, but uh, it, the official title is the sleepiest boy. Uh, sleepiest boy. The in the sleep podcast is what we should call this. Fun fun fact: yeah. uh, I, I have a, I have a sleep doctor because I am in fact the world's sleepiest boy. And uh, well, I recent I switched doctors recently, and my new sleep doctor looked at my chart, and his first words were, "This is impressive." I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's what you want to hear. It's the last person you want to impress. Hey, it's like when I tell a neurologist how many concussions I've had. Hey, it's cool. It's the <laughs> same energy. It's cool to know that I'm the best at something, even if it is sleeping. Something I wish I was the best at, honestly. Uh, Shubzy, what, what have you been up to lately? You just took a trip to North Carolina? Yeah. Oh, we, we actually had a fun thing last week because uh, we, we thought we were supposed to uh, drop an episode on, on the 5th. So I was set up. <laughs> That's true. I was set up in this tiny hotel room with my, my wife uh, on the bed behind me as I just shush her violently constantly. And uh, we, we turned out we, we weren't scheduled to release an episode last week. So that was fun. We were we were we were panic trying to do notes on a Friday night. With Schwebzy on vacation, he took his his a uh, blue microphone <laughs> with him on his trip with and with a Mac very, that very, I never used to record and, anything on. Yes, and Christine was so gracious in like just like very just like quiet as a church mouse in the back, just hanging out. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we're talking to podcast manager Adam Howe, and he's like, "Yeah, you guys don't release an episode tomorrow." <laughs> really? So really? Uh, oh, it's <laughs> like we'll take that any day of the week. Uh, but yeah, this week's going to be a mailbag episode, which is really nice. By the way, if you want to submit mailbag questions to us, you can send them to our email. That is in the DPL at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow the Google form that's in our pinned tweet. That's at in the DPL on Twitter if you want to find that there. You can also slide into either of, ID, uh, either of our DMs on Twitter as well. Again, my Twitter is at Bunt Singles, and then Schwebzi's is his namesake at Schwebzi. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. Uh, don't make us regret you sliding into our DMs. Please. I want, uh, I want to regret it. Slide into my DMs, everybody. This is a man hunting for regrets. Okay. Really, I, make sure you regret asked, it, but not me. I ask for this stuff all the time. I'm like, send me hate mail. Slide in my DMs. Say mean things to me. And no one ever does. It's unbelievable. Shrubsy loves the abuse. There's, there's really. He truly does. So many awful people in the world, and none of them want to be mean to me. I don't understand <laughs> it. Shrubsy doesn't realize how, like, how uncommon of... An experience this is on Twitter specifically. I, I don't get it. it is, buddy, count your blessings that you treated not like crap I, I'm most invi- of the time. I'm inviting it. Maybe maybe that's the problem. It's because I'm inviting it. Everyone's like, oh, we don't want to. We don't want to be mean to takes him. All the fun. Yeah, it takes all the fun out of it for him. Uh, like you probably heard, I just want to cover some stuff at the top here before we start taking questions and stuff like that. But uh, if you didn't hear already, there is actually a new feed of baseball podcast from Pitcher List. Uh, which are non-fantasy focused. So if you like shows that are looking at the game from not a fantasy perspective and want something a little bit different, be sure to subscribe to that new feed. You just got to search Pitcher List Baseball Podcasts on your favorite podcast platform, and you should be able to find that there. Subscribe to that. There's tons of great podcasts on there. Uh, one that I like in particular is the Red, Black, Green Baseball Podcast with Pat Ellington. Uh, 
brand new podcast on the podcast network. He he's doing a great job so far. Um, shout out to Pat. Um, and then tons of other great podcasts on there, like Shag and Flies. Uh, fantastic episodes of that lately as well. So be sure to check that out. And as you also probably heard on the pre-show ad from old Nikki P, Nicholas Peter Pollock, uh, Pitcherless 7.0 launched. Uh, Shrubsy had a hand in a few of the things on the site, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's still lots of stuff in the pipeline, uh, but so far the new site looks really, really great. Uh, Shrubsy. I, the, the player pages are unreal. Like, yeah. And it's it's so cool for me personally. Like I I definitely mentioned on the podcast uh, back in uh, August or September, we we took a pitcherless trip up to Boston, and like in the car ride up there, we were like Nick and I were just like talking shop and talking about the site and like what what we what what we hope to see from it, and literally like some of the things we talked about like in the car, some of the things I suggest are like out there in the wild now and real. And like uh, something that I threw out was like the the sliders, uh, the st- like the baseball savant stat cast sliders for individual pitch metrics, and like that's there now, and it's like so cool to see that come to fruition. Uh, I got I love it. The site looks so good. Yeah, visually it is pretty stunning across the board, and there's still like so much more that's going to get rolled out. So keep an eye out for that. I know that there's going to be, if I remember right, projections on the site are going to be out on like March first. Yes. I think is what we're shooting for with that. Yeah, tons and tons and tons and tons of cool stuff to come. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, also, Nick, who we were just talking about, uh, has released or is going to be releasing a new podcast as well. That's going to be exclusive to Pitchless Plus members. It's going to be just 15 minutes of him talking about starting pitching every single morning, Monday through Friday. So if you want to hear that, be sure to subscribe to Pitcherless Plus. You can also join us, myself, Schwebzy, everyone else on the Pitcherless staff in our Discord to ask us questions, hang out, talk about whatever. So uh, lots of cool stuff uh, for the season yeah, coming up. So We had kind of like a rearranging of things, like uh, no more no more first pitch for Nick. First pitch is going to be handled by a yeah. team of people now. And I don't know about you, but I I, I considered uh putting my name out there for that but i did Ah. i did one episode of first pitch last year and i was like never again i (laughs) cannot i cannot imagine like uh like the the energy and uh and consistency that uh nick puts into this it's it's unreal and now uh you know now he's going to be doing the plus pitch podcast for our our pl plus members yeah i was going to say he stepped away from his uh former weekly responsibilities and again like like you said, it's very difficult for just one Daily. person to do that and keep up that energy Monday through Friday. And now we have three people splitting the responsibilities, which just shows how not mortal Nick Pollock is and how much work he puts in for the site. And he's still going to continue doing that moving forward with the plus pitch. But don't tell uh, him, podcast. don't tell him that we were so complimentary, please. Please, Nick, don't listen to this. We need, we need to make sure uh, N- Nicholas Pollock Pollock. Which uh, ah yes. Since this is a mailbag episode, we had a we had a write in request for uh, Nick's middle name of the week from one of our favorite Pitcherless community members, Andrew Perpetua. He requested shout out Andrew Nicholas Polyp Pollock. Say that ten times fast. Absolutely not. No, thank you. I'm not going to try. I'm going to trip over that way too many times. Um, but yeah. Like we kind of stated before, this is a mailbag episode, and this is actually an exclusively PL Plus mailbag episode. We asked questions within the Discord, got some from staffers, got some from PL Plus members. So uh, I kind of want to split that up a little bit here, even though we got a couple staffers, a couple PL Plus members in here. But uh, a special let's guest kick it also. Off. 
Oh yeah, we do. Have a, okay. Yeah. There is a special guest uh, question in here as well. That is non-baseball related sort of, but uh, I'm looking forward to, I think I'm looking forward to that one the most, honestly. Same, same. Let's not, yeah. Let's not spoil it though. Uh, so let's start off with a question that was actually asked by our fellow PL staffer, Miles Nelson, who asks as someone who has never played in a deep league before shame for shame. Unbelievable. Uh, what are some things I need to keep in mind as I prepare to play in deep leagues for the first time this year? He's playing in a 15 teamer and he almost never plays deeper than 12 teams. So this is more so just like not talking about specific players. Obviously, this is talking about just like general strategy, which I actually we didn't really we haven't ever really covered what is kind of important to us in our deeper leagues and how we approach them. So this is kind of a cool question. Yeah, I, I wish that my my friends would announce ahead of time like before i start talking to them like what size leagues they play in like a reddit flare so i know who's worth associating with or not because i I never (laughs) would have gotten so close with miles had i known that he didn't dabble in deep leagues at all but shrubsy with the deep league (laughs) supremacy oh oh yeah uh but uh, so a lot of this stuff that we're about to talk about i i feel like this is kind of uh this is kind of an aggregation uh, of things that we've been saying throughout the year, just kind of, uh, you know, put into one place because a, a lot of this stuff is stuff that we've said before in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we're, I guess we're, we're kind of, uh, just gathering our, our overall deep league philosophy into one place, huh? Yeah. It's kind of nice. So like, what are the most important things to you? I guess, Schwebzy. I, I think and anytime you're talking about league strategy, the first number one thing that you need to pay attention to is like rules because Mm -hmm. anytime you're joining a league the first thing you need to know before you draft before you do any sort of prep you need to know what your goal is and and your goal changes based on the rules of the league so you know you need to know what positions like a a deep league like a, a 16 teamer with three outfielders still isn't you know that deep in outfield but 16 team with five outfielders now you're, you're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel in talent for the outfield yes and that whole different story that changes things deep greatly same thing for middle infield and corner infield and two catcher leagues oh we're going to talk about catches a lot today because i we i are going to talk about catchers I, a lot. I have some grievances uh we we discovered some grievances uh in the prep for this episode so we're gonna we're gonna have it out about catchers later but it's just knowing what your goal is, is maybe the most important thing. And, you know, th- I mean, this is universal, not just deep leagues scoring system. Yeah, like, exactly. In a deep league. Like. If, if stolen bases, if you're talking like a deep roto league, suddenly like stolen base scarcity, like becomes an even more important thing because, you know, mm-hmm. only one person can have Adalberto Mondesi. You know, only one person can have like, you know, the two or three guys who are going to steal the most bases. And, you know, those those stolen bases dry up real quick in a deeper league. Yes. So like positional scarcity matters. Statistical scarcity matters. Not so much for home runs. Everyone hits home runs nowadays. But we're talking more like your saves, your steals. Mm -hmm. I've been talking a lot. No, it's okay. No, I mean, this is what we should do is like, we should kind of like, I kind of want to piggyback off what you said, honestly, mostly about like the number, like the positions and the number of starting spots you need to fill. Cause like, that's something that's really important to me when I'm looking at how I'm like ranking players and stuff like that is 
if it's a 15 team league and you have one catcher spot and like three outfield spots, kind of like you said, if that then shifts to, okay, we have two catcher spots, we have five outfielders and we have a middle infield and corner infield spot to fill that that's five more spots right there Mm -hmm. that you now have to account for in your starting lineup. So like, that's how much deeper the player pool has to be for you and how much, well, sorry, your knowledge of the player pool has to be to make informed decisions and really fill up spots that aren't going to like hurt you in the long run. So uh, I think that's a huge part for me is just like making sure that you take into account how many, how deep that draft is going to be. And for me, I kind of want to have familiarity with about like people with ADPs about one to 200 spots below where the total number of drafted players is going to be. So say there's 400 total players drafted in the league. I want to have like a knowledge as deep as like five, 600. Yeah. So I have awareness of those players that are going to be on the wire as well that I think might be like fringe pickups early in the season if some folks don't pan out. I think a, a an under like a, something that's not talked about enough with deep leagues is you kind of have to be willing to do the work. Yes, 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 yes. The, one of the things that sparked my love for deep leagues is my home leagues. I, I've talked about them before. I have two home leagues with rough, mostly the same group of players, same managers. Uh, and it's an AL only league and an NL only league. And they're both nine team leagues. And you would think nine team, that's not that deep. But these are only leagues and they are two out, uh, sorry, two catcher, corner infield, mm-hmm. uh, middle infield, five outfield. So we're going 45 outfielders deep in individual leagues. And let me tell you, it dries up really quickly. So, and what, like, I've, succeeded consistently in these leagues because you know i'm willing to do the work like all year long and you know it, you know august 15th i'm still like you know scouring savant pages trying to find that next uh that next guy that's gonna get playing time next week all of a sudden and break out like being willing to do the work in deep leagues i think uh it shows like the fruits of your labor more than in a more shallow league where you can just go and pick up a borderline all-star caliber player on free agents yes exactly and like i think that this is like really relevant not just like the al only nl only leagues but a lot of like what this question is based around from miles is that he's doing tgfbi for the first time i believe Mm -hmm. so it's like 15 team leagues like that so much of big leagues like that like tgfbi is just staying engaged throughout the entire season. And like, because of the sheer depth of those leagues and the number of people you have on rosters, you get fatigued so much faster doing these rather than like a 12 team league that does like weekly lineups. Like even though TGFBI and leagues like it are only like, you only set your lineup twice a week technically. And then there's like a fab period on Sundays that you have to do. So that's basically you're paying attention three different times throughout the week. There's still so much thought that goes into who you're going to put in your lineup each week, that your targets for fab and things like that. How much am I bidding on folks? I feel like the sheer amount of fatigue that you get throughout the season from participating in leagues like this is so much more than like your standard, like 12 team league. Um, So just staying engaged throughout the season, if you can just outpace the rest of the managers and you have more stamina than they do is like going to allow you to usually just finish in the top half of your league by itself. Totally agreed. Um, so I think that's important too. Do do you think uh, do you have any takes on drafts for uh, for deeper leagues? 
because I think I think in a deep league, I I am much more inclined to reach to get my guy just because of the increased number of picks in between yours, just increasing the likelihood that you're going to get sniped. I think it's way more important to reach, you know, a round or two to get maybe not two rounds, but, uh, you know, make sure you get your guys is, is the point. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been sniped in a 16 teamer, like with one pick to go. And it's, it's the most intensely frustrating thing because it can throw off your entire draft strategy. If you don't have the backup plan, um, and a, a, a universal piece of advice based on that, always have a backup plan. True. Um, I really, so I, I, I didn't really think about it that much until you just started talking about it. And I kind of decided just now that my feeling is if you are in like a 15 team plus league, there is no such thing as a snipe. You just didn't reach. Because like you said, like if you're stuck at the, maybe you're like, maybe you have like, if you have like pick one or 15, you have two picks in a row right there. That's third. That's 28 picks that are happening between. Mm Mm-hmm that current pick and then your next pick that's that's a lot of space yeah so say like your pick i don't know like i don't know what math is so okay for for instance say it's like pick 151 right start around 11 and you're picking first in a 15 team league Mm -hmm. and there's someone that you want but his adp is like 162 something like that if you really want him you need to take him with pick 151 because he's probably not going to get back to you. Yeah. So I don't I don't I don't really think there is any such thing as technically really being sniped in a in a 15 plus team league. I think that you just need to reach for the people. I think it really is a perfect example of really needing to get your guy like you said. Yeah. And uh just uh kind of to touch again on the positional thing, it's really important like and it's it's a combination of the getting your guy and the positional scarcity thing. Yes. I we're going to talk about this in a later episode. Middle infield. Like if you're talking like after pick like 200, middle infield is dry and you yes. need to be aware of that. So you might be looking at your you know your your roster to this point in the draft and going like oh all i need is a middle infielder later and it's you know it's round 12 and then you're looking and you're like oh my god i have to draft miguel rojas to start every day for my team it's you, you don't want to be in that situation you know, miguel yeah miguel rojas exactly. is more so, like adp 500 but you know you get what i'm trying to say yeah and also another thing i think that i don't know if we touched on or not i can't remember if you said anything about the schwebzy in the past like 10 minutes that we've been talking about this but I think something that is really, really important when it comes to these deeper leagues is I think that multi-position eligible players are especially important and having a decent amount of them yep. is really, really good because y- you really want your, oh gosh, what is the word that I'm looking for? You want you want your lineup and your roster to be incredibly modular. Yep. Uh, so you, you want players that can saw it in at many different positions. So like, I mean, for me, like, I'm thinking about the draft that I'm doing right now. It is only a 12 team league. It's on NFBC. It's a listener league for uh, the on the wire podcast. Shout out Adam and shout out Kevin uh, from on the wire. Um, 
I'm looking at my draft board here. I have someone like Jorge Polanco who's eligible at second base and at shortstop. Uh, I have who else? I have Alex Kirloff who's eligible at first base and in the outfield. Jonathan Scope who's eligible at first and second base. Um, having that sort of versatility on your squad so you can kind of move folks around is really, really important because like if injuries happen, you need to kind of have a plan. Like if you have everyone just like single position eligible on your team, it's harder to fill with someone who's going to have a meaningful impact. Whereas if you have folks who play multiple positions, you can slot in a good person and then you can find a way to pick up the best person that's on the waiver wire and fit them into your squad. Yeah. And that kind of ties into the number one most important thing. So in a, in a deeper league, the average roster spot is going to produce fewer stats just because you're using less talented players in general. So yep. sometimes the most important thing stat that a player can accrue is plate appearances. And yep. to that point, we, we've preached this on the podcast before. We love players with good defense. We don't care if defense mm-hmm. isn't a category. Players who, who, players who can pick it are going to get plate appearances. That's why we love guys like uh, Nico Horner. Exactly. I know big, big Nico Horner stands here because he just... He, He's he's gonna put the bat on the ball. He should play every day because of his glove. And you know it's funny. Let, 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 uh, an, another thing that can help you get plate appearances is uh, bad teams. Yeah, because true. generally teams from bad teams are less popular. Uh, the thing that I was gonna say is funny is we thought that a pop we we thought that a bad team that was gonna get you good fantasy stats last year was the Giants, and then they went out and won like a hundred and twenty games, something stupid. Yeah. Uh but generally bad teams are a good source of plate appearances. That's a, a good source of uh, you know, un- unheralded players. Like, you know, uh, this year I have a feeling like uh Texas is gonna be one of those with like your Willie Calhoun's, your Nathaniel Lowe's guys who uh guys who get you some stats but might not necessarily be the most sexy names out there because they're you know texas rangers absolutely yeah i think i mean i'm trying to think if we have any other like good advice to add on to this but i think we kind of covered pretty much everything we follow i really like that you brought up the fact that we look at plate appearance as a thing uh also surrounding like the surrounding offense composition like if there's good pieces around that person in a lineup it may lead to more opportunities to get RBIs and runs, things like that. That's really important to look at because what yeah. is it? The three O's offense opportunity and um, opponent. Like if you have a good matchup, like if you're in, if you see like maybe a hitter is going to have has really good like splits against lefties and they're going to face three or four lefties that coming week. Good to know. Like you want to slot them into your lineup That's... sort of thing. So uh, paying attention to a lot of that is going to get you. Just those small, small, like marginal advantages throughout the season. It's going to add up to like a much better result at the end. You know, uh, I mean, you mentioned opponents and that made me realize something. We've almost all of this time that we've talked about this, we have dedicated to pitcher uh, hitters. True. Yeah. Do you have any do you have any uh, deep league specific pitcher advice? I think don't. I, don't if if you're gonna stream, just don't do it all willy nilly. Honestly, I think like I think I would much rather stream a hitter than I would a pitcher. I feel like having like a bad hitter week is much easier to offset than it than it is a bad pitcher week. So be cautious with your streams. So something that something that Nick likes to preach with his rankings 
is always, always, always that he is gearing his rankings and his advice towards a standard Yahoo league. Yep. So exactly. A lot of what he says just doesn't apply to our sort of leagues. I actually, mm-hmm. I, I will hit him with prompts all the time and he reacts negatively. And I'm just like, what do you mean you don't like this guy? It's because we have completely different mindsets. He does not care one bit about Drew Rasmussen. Drew Rasmussen's really valuable in some of the leagues I play in. So it's, uh, you, you have to kind of tailor your research towards the kind of league you're in also, because if you're using, you know, Yahoo's rankings or even, even Nick's top 100 might not be what you need. 100%. Yeah. Honestly, listen in the deep instead. I, yeah, (laughs) I think this may have been like, because like it's it's very easy for us to like recommend specific players or like talk about specific players that we like. I think the process stuff like this is something that is probably going to be some of the most valuable things that we talk about on the podcast. Like looking at this right now, I think it's really important to kind of share this stuff more than it is even just like saying, "Hey, I like this guy." Listen to um, my process. I finished three hundred and sixty fourth in TGFBI last year. I'll be honest. I tried so hard to finish sixty ninth <laughs> in TGFBI. I tried so hard. Got so far, but in the end. I, didn't I got invited matter. back is, is the important thing. I think I, I think he had uh, to, but I, I did get invited back. Thank goodness, honestly. Another <laughs> shot at it. You can really only go up from here. Really? <laughs> well, uh, honestly, there are spots below that, but... Oh, I could I could still drop another 100 spots or so. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. I hope you don't get just absolutely destroyed by injuries like you did last oh, year. Uh, God. All right, uh, so next question here. Let's go to PL Plus member and Prospects Live writer... And absolute mensch, just good person all around Joe Lowry, uh, otherwise known as Jay Hook in the PL Plus Discord. What are some good 15-team two-catcher league targets that you like post-pick 250? So this this is specific. I had to clarify with him on this. This is specifically about catchers post-250 in two-catcher leagues. Schwebzy, I'm going to let you start with this one. Who do you like post-pick 250 for two-catcher leagues? All right, so I alluded to this earlier. We 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 got into it in the planning phase of this podcast because we have very different philosophies on this. Uh, I got into it to the extent that we get into it, which is not really at all. Yeah, we don't really row at all. I, I may have raised my voice a decibel or two, but uh, <laughs> all I can th- all I can think about when I think about arguing with you is the uh, Wizard of Oz argument. I'm gonna stab him. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's uh, very few internet people are probably going to get that reference. But uh, yeah, so uh, when I'm thinking about this question, when I any, I, I think in general, anybody I draft, I want to have at least some measure of upside. Yeah, like yes, I like to know what I'm getting, but I also. I, I am almost always going for value or someone who I think has a, you know, decent chance of outperforming their draft spot. That's difficult when you're talking about post 250 catchers. But the names that I settled on here were, I get perpetual sleeper Danny Jansen and uh, Max Stasi of the Angels. Now they both have their question marks. Max Stasi is frequently injured, as catchers tend to be, uh, mm-hmm. unless you're, you know, unless you're Yanni Molina or Salvi Perez. 
but the last time Stasi was healthy for like a really long stretch, he just mashed in 2020. 2021, he was hit or miss. He was hurt a lot. But when healthy and and like doing what he does, he's a middle of the order presence for the Angels. And he's hitting behind a well, late middle of the order. But uh, he could be hitting behind, you know, Trout, Rendon, Otani. He's going to have so many RBI opportunities this year. You know, yeah. uh, it's I. You know, catchers. You don't you don't draft catchers to get runs. But I think Stasi in a four hundred plate appearance year, four fifty plate appearances, could put up like a two sixty twenty home run seventy RBI kind of year. Maybe a little, maybe like 65 rubies. I love the upside there. It might not be the safest thing because he can get hurt. But the thing about drafting post 250 catchers is that if Stasi gets hurt, you're just going to pick up somebody else who's putting up like mediocre numbers that most of the other got. Most of the other catcher spots in your league are also putting up these mediocre numbers. Because, you know, if you're drafting a catcher in this spot, it's probably a two-catcher league. A lot, you, you know, you're not losing much compared to your league mates. But if, yeah. if Stasi does go off, then you're at a good advantage over everybody that doesn't have one of the top, you know, 10 catchers or so. Yeah, I think that's a hard part with catchers, too, is like, I, I, I feel like there's not really anyone that you fully expect to be like a full-on breakout candidate down here. There are people who can outperform or like perform above their... uh they're what they're expected to do and like out, outpace their projections. But with Stasi especially, I think that it's mostly health driven for me. Like I, I really don't like Stasi for that reason. And I also think that he could very easily be a tank to your batting average, which scares me a lot. Danny Jansen, on the other hand, finished really strong last year. We looked at this before the podcast. He had a great end of the season. He had a 200 WRC plus in September. Yeah. And that, that's good. I, I almost guessed his batting average exactly right. I was two points off. He yeah. hit 322. And I guess 320. He hit 322 in September. Uh, pretty absurd. He had a very good end of the season after having a very, very rough start. Um, but then there's always the question marks between like who's going to get the most at bats there. Is it going to be him, Alejandro Kirk? And then they've also got Reese McGuire in the mix now, too, obviously. So who's to say what happens there as time goes on? Uh, We've been talking about a Blue Jays catcher trade for like years now i wish they would just oh, trade it, one of them and and like clear this up it would be nice um so i kind of touched on it's it's funny shrubsy and i really actually disagree on this a bit like he says that he wants the upside pick this late for me if i'm waiting on catcher i kind of want someone who's going to be a safe bet um hey, while hey. there isn't really a lot of those speaking of bets Oh, do you want? You want to do a board bet? You want to do a board bet? Do we, are we going to do a board bet? Are our, my two our against first your two? Board bet of twenty twenty two. My two against you two. Your two. Okay, let, let me finish talking about mine, and then sure, sure. I think, yeah. I think, I think, I think yes, I think we will. Well, to determine, it'll probably be like a combined uh, five category. Who did better? Yeah, right? yeah sure. Or Does that maybe, seem good? Maybe okay, four cool. category because we can pretty much ignore stolen bases with these guys, right? Nope. No, if no. if Austin Nola steals one base, you're going to win that category. If we, if, if, we, if we don't include stolen bases, then there's a chance that we draw and ties are the worst. That's fair. But, I don't want to push. Know, one, of, one of the things that sparked this conversation is Jordan's like of Christian Vasquez and my hatred of Christian Vasquez. 
And like, see, I'm sad that Vasquez <laughs> isn't in the area that we can actually talk about him here. Because Christian Vasquez, someone that can like, he's going to put up a decent average and get you some steals at the catcher position at a pretty discounted price, and that's pretty hard to find. Uh, it's um, so boring. Outside of having like GT Real Muto. Um, but so the two catchers that I like, cause I really don't want to take it. Cause I think the, the biggest knock on most of the late catchers is that they're going to tank your batting average a ton. And that's something I'm trying to avoid as much as possible. So the two people that I like the most are Omar Narvaez and then Austin Nola. Um, again, most catchers are probably going to hurt your average, but I think Narvaez especially has like a pretty solid hit tool and provides a really good floor. Uh, at pick 254 he's like right on the precipice of not being in the area that we can talk about him um every projection system right now has him at a sub 260 average but he's only hit two six below 266 once in his career and that was in the shortened 2020 season um i don't think he's gonna hit below 260 i don't think that's gonna happen i think like if you can get a catcher that late, that's going to be able to not be a drain on your batting average and can put up some counting stats, like a hundred runs plus RBIs over like 400 plate appearances throughout the season. I'm happy with that. Um, a lot of the same can be said about Nola too, I think, but I don't know with the signing of Jorge Alfaro in San Diego or the, tra- did they trade for him? They traded yes. for him, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think that, I don't know if his plate appearances are as sure as Narvaez's are um but that said Nola has pretty consistently put up a good average when he's been healthy as well that's one thing too I kind of like this board bet because both Nola and Stasi are kind of injury prone or have had issues with them over the past few years and then we've got two guys that are like relatively healthy and like consistent performers I feel you like know, something that I didn't realize do you know what uh Austin Nola's strikeout percentage was last year I'm going to say it was like 16%. 9.8. Yeah. He puts the ball in play a lot, man. That, yeah, but that's like Fletcher-esque. Yeah. Uh, I, now, now, I was a fan of Noah coming into last year before his, yes. uh, you know, like what, two thirds of a season long injury. Yeah, he lost most of it. Yeah. And he actually like in in 50 games, he put up 30 ribbies. Yep. That's like a that's a wild rate, and I'd be stunned if he repeated that. But like, well, actually, I mean, he did the same thing the year before. That uh, that's what I'm saying, man. Man, man, he put dude, dude gets ribbies, man. I wonder why yeah, that Austin, is. Austin Nola's current ADP is 387. Does he, I feel like that's an absolute steal at that price. If he's if he gets the lion's share of the reps in San Diego, I think that he's going to be a disgusting steal at his draft dude, price right now. Think, what do you think his batting average was with men on base last year? Uh, three twenty-eight, four hundred eight, and with with Ooh. with the runners in scoring position, that went up to four sixty-seven. Oh God! I mean, it's Ooh. anecdotal, but at the same yes. time, that's that's sexy. That it, yeah, no, that's impressive. That's uh, really sexy. And that's, yeah, that's I, I mean, two straight years of a really high RBI. You know, you know, cashing in the runners on base. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who knows if that'll maintain? But that's that's cool. That's good stuff. Because he'll be hitting probably like fifth or sixth in that order if he starts regularly, I think. I've, I haven't looked at roster resource, but I'm guessing he's like five or six in that lineup. I, I had mentally written off Nola because of that injury, which uh, yeah. is, I think that's a mistake. I'm going to have to reevaluate my my Nola stance. Uh, good thing I haven't done any drafts yet. Yeah. Okay, do you want to lock in this board bet right now? So it's uh, Omar Narvaez and Austin Nola combined versus 
uh, Max Stasi and Danny Jansen in f- five by five roto categories. Do you know? Do you know um, how many stolen bases the four of them have in their career combined? I'm gonna say ten. One. <laughs> <laughs> who who got it? Wait, 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 wait. Oh wait, let me guess. I'm gonna say that Austin Nola got it. It was Nola in 2019. Yes. The last time Nailed any it. of these three, four guys stole a base was 2019. <laughs> I've, I've got, hey, Shrubsy, I've got the ringer. You do. You, you are projected to win in stolen bases. <laughs> One to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. Okay. Uh, I really like that. That's, I think that's a good board bet. Yeah, I like it. Um, all right. So before we head off to an ad break here, let's take a non-baseball-ish question uh, from my sister wife. And my actual Christine, wife. Christine Mrs. Schwebzy. My Weber. wife. My wife. Uh, if baseball died, <laughs> if baseball perished, died a fiery death, and you had to keep in the deep going about another topic but keep the name, what would the new podcast be? I would, I would uh, honestly, I thought about this since you po- posited this question before the podcast. I think it would be an ASMR uh, sleep aid. Ooh, it, so, so like uh, ushering you off to in the deep? We just do a little bit of ASMR, talking very close to our mics, relaxing, just naming off random people's baseball stats. See In the year 2019, <laughs> Omar Narvaez had a 272 average. So you would just seven RBI. You, you would no. talk about old baseball stats in in your incredibly soothing voice. Yeah, exactly. I think I think I think that would actually probably that would okay. Would that do numbers on the podcast network? Could I convince Nick to give me a show on the new baseball feed of just me reading off old baseball stats in a very like nice soothing voice? I would I would listen to you read a phone book. So I I think he would do that. Yeah. But okay. Uh, yeah. My, so that's what I think it would be. My my take was like the, the you know shark movies. Like I want, I want the podcast to to do Jaws. I want to do the Meg. I want to do Into the Deep. I want to do Sharknado. You know, all all four shark movies there Ooh. are shark franchises. Ooh, I would, I would, I would absolutely sit and watch all the Sharknado movies with you. I want to and talk, then talk about the character development in each of them. I want to talk for an hour about the time that Samuel L. Jackson got bitten half by a shark. <laughs> I would be down for that. I like that actually. That's a really good call. How many shark movies and are there? I think that's it. I think there's 20. only four. I think there's only the four franchises. No, well, no, I mean, there's the four franchises, but how many total movies? Because each movie is going to have its own episode. Well, it, there. I mean, Jaws has some like wild stuff, isn't there? Like Bride of Jaws, Son of Jaws, all that. Is there really? I, I think there's is some that stupid Brad, ones. Is, is there, I think you're thinking of the Chucky series. It's 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 canon that that uh, Jaws has a wife. I don't think I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> On that wonderful note, let's take a quick break and listen to a couple of ads from our sponsors. 
Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, and we are back. Uh, next question here from PL Plus member Ben Bingham. Thank you, Ben, for the question here. Who are some players that didn't get full playing time last year that might get more playing time this year or vice versa, uh, players in trouble of losing playing time? Uh, I actually only went... I didn't answer the second part of this question. I went more with people who are going to get more playing time. Same, because we like um, to generally be positive here. Yes, we like to see people uh, on the up and up. So my pick here is one that is very Rugnet Odor adjacent. Rugnet Odor-esque? Odor-esque? Is that a word? Uh, Odorous? Uh, Anthony Alford. Currently ADP of 582, but he's slated to be hitting fifth in the Pittsburgh Pirates lineup. When when you say he's Odor-esque, are you saying that he stinks? No. No, it's different. An odor odor doesn't have to be. That's true negative it's a right ple- an odor is just ple- a smell pleasant pleasant odor i think i think odor is technically or like usually implied to be stinky mm. but in this case i think i'm just talking about it being a specific scent uh, we'll let you decide if you like it or not. it's like Fair. it's like some people really like holiday candles like someone loves like some people like love pine needle scent but some people not so much um but with like anthony alford currently slated to be batting fifth in the pittsburgh pirates lineup according to roster resource He's someone that's probably going to be a pain for your batting average on your team. But in only 148 plate appearances last year, he had five homers and five steals. Very basic math here uh, at a 600 plate appearance pace. That's a 2020 season. That's pretty good for a guy that's going at pick 582. I would absolutely take that at that point in a very, very, very deep league. Um, And the spot that he has in his lineup, while that Pittsburgh Pirates lineup is not good, necessarily across the board he's putting himself in a pretty good spot to get a decent amount of rbis fewer runs because the folks behind him are less impressive he will have o'neill cruz right near him in the lineup as well which will be nice um but i think i like at that price obviously at pick 582 which is essentially free in almost every league um anthony alfred might not be a bad pick here for a 2020 season dude if alfred actually hits ahead of cruz in the lineup i am going to make this six hour drive against the, the farmland that is uh, across the farmland that is pennsylvania he's gonna cross the amish country and yes I'm, I'm going to pick it i'm gonna i'm gonna have a sign and everything uh at, against the disservice against o'neill cruz but <laughs> i i like it i mean uh alfred has the tools we i I, yes. I feel like we've been talking he's only 27 it feels like he should be like 32 with how long I, we've been talking about him as a potential I mean, he's got the sp- yeah he's got the speed he's got the raw power right yeah. like He's got the raw tools to do it. It's just, can he put it together over a full season? Will he be able to hang on to that spot for the full season is the question. I hope so. I think it'd be cool to see him succeed. And he like, 
man, a 2020 season out of. Am I going to am I going to write a bold predictions article and say that Anthony Alfred's going to have a 2020 season? I think I might. I think you should. It might be a thing. I, I think you should find a player who's uh, like a star player whose batting stance uh, his resembles. And like, you know, like Ben Gamble and uh, Christian Yelich. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I knew where you were going with it immediately. And you can go to heck. All right. <laughs> uh, sorry, that, that's that's a little uh, an inside joke, and I apologize. It's also the lowest hanging of fruit. <laughs> projected cleanup hitter of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Ben Gamble. But that is that is wild to me. This is. I feel like there's going to be at least one weird breakout from this Pittsburgh team, whether it's like Chavis or Alfred or Gamel or Satsugo. Satsugo. I like Satsugo. I do. I, got, I'm very on the record as saying I like Satsugo. His plate discipline is still very, very good. And he smashed the crap out of the ball at the end of the year last year. Yes. He, he had a really uh, good finish to the season. PNC Park very much uh, agreed with him. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, so what about you, Schwabs? What are some players that didn't get full playing time last year that you think might get more this year and see their stocks rise? Uh, I mean, I have I have a list here. Feel free to interject at any time. Uh, sure. Yeah. I I think the nature of this question and the nature of the rule changes that we're about to experience, if you're if you're not aware, uh, the the league themselves uh, confirmed that they are cool with the DH rule this year, league wide. So yes. we are very much expecting uh, the NLDH this year, and that opens up a lot of plate appearances that weren't previously there for actual hitters. So there, you know, there's 15 new job opportunities in the NL for regular plate appearances, and that means there's a lot of guys in the NL that I'm interested in now that I might not have previously been. Uh, I mean, gee, let's. I, I kind of I think I did this alphabetically by team because I was just scrolling through roster resource uh, all the different <laughs> NL teams. But in Arizona, Seth Beer, love the mm. OBP power combo there, and it's Arizona. They're not going to compete. That you know they they have no reason to not see what they have in Beer. And I mean, the the pun possibilities are endless. We have a new stat uh, at at pitcher list thanks to Christian Mack called IPA. And I really hope Seth Beer is good at it. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> Wait, is that I a love pit- that? Is that a pitching stat? Am I am I cross? I, no, I think that's that's a hitting thing. That is a hitting thing. I should really know our own stats. But uh, yeah, Seth Beer is is a candidate for some some dongs in the desert. Uh, Clint Frazier, love some desert dongs. Love some desert dongs. Uh, Clint Frazier uh, in Wrigley. Uh, I love nothing more than trashing the New York Yankees, and I love it even more <laughs> when professional baseball players trash the Yankees. So I'm very much pulling for Clint Frazier. Uh, I it, we we've seen with you know professional athletes and and you know generally really famous people like like uh, Justin Morneau and Jordan White what concussions can do to a person. Bro, come on! Come on! I'm sorry. That was good. I can't. I can't even knock you for that. That was funny. Uh, Clint Frazier (laughs) has suffered some concussions, and uh, it seems like it has been a real impediment to him producing on the field and just getting on the field. So uh, he's got an opportunity. You know the the 
Chicago Cubs are I, Dave Zimborski over at Fangraphs released his uh, zips projections for every team. And he does like a little like a graphic of the baseball diamond with all of the players and their projected war totals. And it's, yep. it feels like every single player on the Cubs is projected for like two war. And I'm like, wow, this is going to be like the most averagest team in the history of the world. And yeah. that means there's if anybody breaks out to any extent, there's no reason to not play them because it's a whole team of like meh and, you know, n- not not much star power on that team right now. Mm-hmm. So if Clint Frazier starts off hot, no reason for him to not keep playing. So I've got my I, and really I'm just pulling for him because it would be a nice story given how much he's been shipped around and and kind of not really forgotten about, but just, you know, minimized. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one, I actually I, I this is probably my favorite of the people that I'm going to talk about right now from a fantasy perspective. Sam Hilliard. Uh, I, yes. I, the, the, definitely not the first time I've talked about him. Not the last time I'm going to talk about him this year. I can pretty much guarantee that. So, Colorado Rockies. We know Coors Field is nice. <laughs> one of one of my favorite. I, I, I'm I'm absolutely uh, you know uh, uh, advertising my own stuff here. But one of my my favorite tweets that I put out this past year was Sam Hilliard's spray chart when he only had three hits last year, all three <laughs> hits were like massive tanks directly down the right field line. It was only three dots on the entire spray chart and they were all so far past the foul pole. And it was like my favorite visual uh, and, and so indicative of like his skill set because he strikes out a lot. He's really, really fast. He hits the ball really far. Kind of like Anthony Alford, really. I, yeah, I was going to say very similar. I, I'm more confident in a Hilliard breakout than an Alfred breakout from Board a bet. skills perspective. Board bet. I I would absolutely make that a board bet. Yes, I would bet. Write it down. <laughs> I would bet my firstborn on that one. I'm so confident in that one. Are we doing? Are we doing five by five roto categories again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Got it down. Second board bet of the year. Look at us go. But yeah, so Sam Hilliard last year started last year absolutely miserably. He was very, very bad in, in the first half. And like uh, Danny Jensen, who we were talking about earlier, just came out like a house on fire in in the late season. And Axel, like for parts of September, was absolutely carrying my NL only team. Uh, I I love the tools. And I, <laughs> I I think the only way I lose that board bet is if the Rockies Rocky. And just like, don't play him. Like, if he hits like 200 for the first two weeks, I can see them burying him again, like they did last year. Yeah. So that's the risk there because uh, he can absolutely strike out for 40% of the time for two or three weeks. So I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Yeah, risk Ooh. is definitely there. Um, I know. So I'm just going to cut in just because you, yeah, you talked for a while there. You want to roll. Uh, I want to cut in just because you ta- you mentioned the Cubs briefly there and how like they have like two war across the board from most other players. There's a lot of really good like later value for Chicago Cubs. Yes. bats. obviously, like I mean, Frank Schwindel had a crazy stretch at the end of the se- second half of the season. Really, if he performs like even like 80 percent of what he did. Over the course of a full season. He's going to be really valuable at first base at his, yes. at his point in the draft. I don't know what his exact number is right now. I don't have it up, unfortunately. Um, the, but a, a lot of the underlying stuff supports it. Like his contact rates yeah. are, are, you know, and hard hit rates. Nice. As our, as our buddy and former podcast manager, Trevor Huth likes to state pretty much every stop that Frank Schwindel made 
in the minors, the fan bases called him Frank the Tank because he would just rake mm-hmm. super hard. He's done this a ton of times in the minors. He did it now in his first stretch here with the Cubs. I mean, feels like a pretty safe gamble to take compared to other options at that point in the draft. Um, Pat- Patrick Wisdom, empty power is really what it's going to come down to. He's going to be hitting in the heart of that lineup. He's probably going to rake and get a ton of home runs and RBIs. Average isn't going to be great, but you can kind of stomach it at that point in the draft as well. And then obviously for me, I have to talk about Nico Horner too. He was hurt a bunch last year. Um, but as far as a guy who's going at pick 475 right now over the past two weeks on NFBC, I don't think there is a better bet to hit over 290 and steal 15 plus bags than he is at that point in the draft. He seems like a no brainer, like a stupid good value. Um, I don't know why more people aren't on him. Uh, obviously the health is somewhat of a concern. He's not going to really provide you much, if any power five to 10 home runs, I'd say throughout the season. Um, I would, yeah, I would much rather have him than I would have Nick Madrigal. Okay. So yeah. All right. That's it. That's all I got. (laughs) All right. So, uh, moving, moving on through the NL, like the entire Marlins outfield, I guess you were a big fan of them last year too. At yes. the end of the season, especially, and I I I think they did a lot to kind of prove my faith in them because mm-hmm. Brian De La Cruz was not great, but like a nice batting average uh, anchor through the end of the year. Yes, Garrett Cooper. Uh, it, it's it's very well circulated that all he does is hit when he's on the field. Uh, yep. And then we've got Jesus Sanchez, who I am a very big fan of. Uh, I, I expect to have a lot of shares of him this year. He hit 14 dingers in 250 plate appearances this year, which, you know, you can it, it, figure if that's what, like 35 over 600 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Uh, obviously, Al Garcia is drafted a bit too early to uh, to talk about here on In the Deep, but, you know, fan of him too. I know you are as well. Yes. Of and, course, uh, former Brewer, both alert right there. And maybe his replacement this year, Tyrone Taylor. Boom, segue. Yes. Uh, we, we both uh, talked about Tyron Taylor. I, I, I spent all year going, God, I wish Milwaukee would give him some playing time. Hopefully this is the year with the DH. Uh, we want to see what Tyron Taylor can do in full-time plate appearances. Again, 270 plate appearances last year, 12 home runs, 6 stolen bases. So you could be looking at yep. double-digit stolen bags over a full season, which we all love. Everyone loves when a dude hits home runs and also chips in steals. Uh, I'd be remiss if I did not talk about my Mets a little bit. Uh, the Mets yeah. are one of those. <sighs> I, they are at the same time very well suited for the DH, but also they are still too crowded for the DH because I, I have no idea if like Cano is going to get the lion's share or JD Davis or Dom Smith. But if any of them got 500 plus plate appearances, I'd be very interested in them. Robinson Cano because I'd be amazed that his body was still holding together but Robinson Cano has almost never been a bad hitter you know you can you can question his uh extracurriculars all you want with uh you know whatever was contributing to him being a good hitter but he's pretty much always been you know good in the batter's box so if he was the full-time DH I'd be interested in Robbie Cano and no one's drafting him uh JD Davis uh I, I I am I, I'm very deeply hurt by J, what J.D. Davis did to me last year and causing me to lose a board bet. But <laughs> I still believe I, I still believe that uh, Justingers Davis can, uh, you know, still hit the ball 
when he plays and doesn't have a wrist injury hampering him all year long. What do you think of his stock now that they have uh, uh, Eduardo Escobar? Do you think he's going to still be in there as much? Or do you think Escobar is going to steal plate appearances from him? Especially as a switch hitter. Last year, uh, last episode of this podcast with, uh, with Mr. Yancey Eaton, yes. I, I said, and I quote, if I ever see Robinson Cano or J.D. Davis play the field, uh, I, I will send a flaming bag of poop to Rob Manfred's doorstep. Uh, I think that Eduardo, well, that's not his decision. Don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just want an excuse to do it is what it is. Uh, that's fair. I think I think that the DH spot is what is going to allow JD Davis to get plate appearances. I, I if he plays third or left field, it should be very very sparingly. So I don't know that Eduardo Escobar really uh, impacts things because uh, one of Eduardo Escobar's main things is his versatility, and you're wasting his versatility if he's DHing. Yeah, I feel true. Like. So I, I think uh, I I don't think Eduardo Escobar hurts JD Davis's chances. I think it's the, the the general glut of, you know, worthy hitters that would uh, impede him more. Like, you know, they, it's basically going to be Cano, Dom Smith, and J.D. Davis rotating uh, through that D.H. spot and occasionally getting spot starts in the field. It's good. It's good. Man, I don't know. I think the odd man out there is probably um, Dom Smith. I think so, too, which would which hurts because he's, he's such a fun person. Yeah, I love him as a just like a as like a presence on the field as a personality. He's so fun. Obviously, he had a great year in 2020. Last year, not so much. And 2019, yeah. And last year, not so much, unfortunately. I'm curious as to I feel like there's got to be a trade that happens. That's what uh, they're, they're involving either a him or JD Davis is kind of who I'm thinking because no one's going to want to take on Cano's contract, obviously, unless they get something else with it. There's um, there's a uh, Mets like Twitter presence who I actually I actually am a big fan of and, and greatly respect, but they tweeted out today or yesterday. I'm absolutely oh no. I'm verbally subtweeting right here. They tweeted out like <laughs> I, I there's got to be another like offensive signing right after the uh, lockout ends. Right. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Have you seen how many bats they have for like nine spots? But yeah, they need to uh, make a trade, if anything, unless but. we can get a designated hitter for James McCann. I don't see the point in signing another bat. But true. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I have not been uh, paid or coerced by Ellen Adair in any way to say this, but Matt Veerling of uh, the Phillies, I believe uh, she okay. called she called him the, the patron saint of exit Vila. Some something to that uh, extent. Effect. Yeah. Effect. Sure. I know words. Words are words are good. We're very good at words here on the deep. I know all the best words. Uh <laughs> So uh, we mentioned uh, San Francisco Woman, earlier. The man. <laughs> TV. Anyways, uh, continue. We mentioned the Giants before uh, being, we, we expected them to be a not very good team with a lot of good fantasy value. Uh, and they turned out to be a very good team with a lot of fantasy value. And I expect that to continue next year with Darren Ruff uh, being a beneficiary of more DH plate appearances. And Darren Ruff is looked at as a platoon bat. He had a 120 WRC plus against righties last year. Like, yeah, he mashed lefties like way harder, but he still hits against righties. Darren yeah. Ruff is a good hitter, just full stop. And if he like he, maybe like getting 300 plus plate appearances last year doesn't really qualify him for this, but he's going he should get more than 300 this year. 
significantly more, I would think. Maybe, you know, uh, upwards of 450, maybe. <sighs> I don't... <laughs> I don't know if he does or not. That's the thing. I think that he's going to be still sub. I think he's going to be closer to 400, but I think he's still going to be sub 400 just due to the fact that kind of like when I said before, I really love when you can have a deep league team that is very modular and you can slap people yes. in and out very easily. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what made the Giants so good last year is they were very, very good at slotting people in and swapping people out of in and out of lineups, defensive substitutions, so on and so forth. Ruff was very often at his best when he came in as a pinch hitter last year. He had a lot of really, really good at-bats when he came in as a pinch hitter. Um, I I don't think he's going to get over 400 plate appearances this year, and I think that's why I would, I would only probably recommend him in like daily leagues where you know that you're going to be able to like throw him in the lineup when you know that he's starting. I think that's the only like cold water I would throw on this. He's an, he's an absurdly good hitter, though. Like He, he does just absolutely mash... Uh, that, that, oh, that was it. To- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to- it's it's very fair because uh, Giants gonna giant might be might be have to be one of our new adages when we're uh, examining their full season value. Yes, but in th- it seems like Ruff should get more plate appearances, and maybe he's a daily move only kind of guy still. Yeah, but. I, I think he's more worth rostering in general now because he should get more of those daily league, you know, plate appearances. You should be able to slot him into those daily leagues more. Yes, correct. Yeah. Based off of last year's performance, especially like he's, I mean, between the time he spent in the major since he came back from Japan, he's, he was in Japan, right? KBO. He's in the KBO. Yeah. Sorry. Apologize. Um, but yeah, when he was in the K, he was mashing in the KBO too. And then he mm-hmm. came back and just continued to mash and, the majors so it, it i don't know i mean he's definitely worth rostering i think even in some weekly deep leagues if you see that he is getting those at bats on a regular basis but i think the daily move leagues are where i'm leaning with him there, there's a phrase that i use somewhat frequently that i hate and i'm going to use it again i don't think we talk enough about how darren ruff like has had like some relative like somewhat sustained success after coming over from the kbo Cause that like, yeah. that never happens for hitters. Like sometimes there'll be like a flash in the pan, like uh, Eric Tim's. Oh, I loved that. That was so much fun when it he was, was on the Brewers and came fun. back and mashed. Ugh. but like Ruff, I miss him. Ruff has just oh, kept, he, he, he just, just signed, signed with, uh, he, he just signed with yeah. the athletics, right? Sure did. Oh God. So just fun. Love, having those, love having those biceps in the league for another year. But, uh, yeah, Ruff just keeps on hitting. Uh, yeah. and one last guy. I've talked this offseason a couple of times about my love of Juan Yepes as one of the my, my rookie targets. And what happens if he flounders? Well, that DH spot probably goes to Lars Newtbar, who is otherwise known as the Candyman. Yes. Is that actually his nickname? I just came I, up with I that right it. now. I love it. Uh, but if... Uh, he's probably their fourth outfielder right now. I mean, he's definitely their fourth outfielder right now, but whether or not he gets more at-bats in the DH spot probably will come down to whether Yepes succeeds or flounders in spring training and April. But if Yepes does fall on his face, which many a rookie has, I think Newtbar is going to be the beneficiary. And if he does get more plate appearances, I'd be really interested in what he does. He was uh, he was pretty impressive in, uh, you know, a few plate appearances last year. Let's say what a, he hit five home runs and 124 plate appearances. 
Oh yeah, that'll do. Not a super impressive batting average. Plenty of walks. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of guys with good plate discipline. Ladies and guys love plate discipline. Uh, Folks of all gender identities, yes, love plate discipline. Just love plate discipline. Yes. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm interested in Newt Bar if Yepes does not take that DH spot and run with it. And uh, you know, I I, I wasn't sure uh, if we were going to get a whole hour. Oh, we, we're well past as, that already. As is our way. I'm much like every other pitcherless podcast ever in <laughs> existence. This one's going to go a little bit long, folks. <laughs> uh, we do have one more question we need to answer, though. And this one is from fellow PL staffer and host of Winds Above Fantasy, Steve Giswelli. Thank you, Steve, for this question. Who are your favorite deep pitchers not named Ashby or Hauk? This hurts my soul a little bit because I can't talk about Aaron Ashby this or Tanner Hauk. Question. Fortunately, um, but we do have some other fun names at the back end of drafts that are pretty exciting. I think, uh, shrubs, oh. unless you started off, you've got three of them. I've only got two here, but I kind of like my two a lot. I'll be honest. All right. So what, what I've got here is I've got a, I guess a veteran at this point who was hurt. I've got yep. a rookie who succeeded and I've got a rookie who floundered the veteran. I think is the one that I like the most Dakota Hudson, who seems completely yeah. forgotten about for some reason. And I don't understand it. It's probably the lack of strikeouts. It's gotta be the lack of strikeouts, right? But yeah, don't forget about him in when draft season comes around because he like many, a sinker baller before him is probably going to outperform his peripherals because he's got the incredible St. Louis Cardinals defense behind him. Yeah, he's he's not sexy. He's not going to strike out a lot of guys. Oh, you just have to accept it. But what he is going to do is he's going to get outs. He, the innings are iffy because he's coming off the injuries. Yeah, true. But the Cardinals do like to use their starters traditionally. So uh, you know we we have to see what's what what the give and take there is going to be. But I I think if if Hudson gets stretched out to a normal starter's workload. He's probably going to be a quality start machine, you know, kind of like Stroman-esque, maybe with a few less strikeouts. So I Hudson is currently going in the 400s. Like, that's insane value. Like, if he starts 25 games, he might he might win 15 games. Like, he's he's going to be a very good source for quality starts, I think, wins ratios because he doesn't walk anybody really or he didn't walk anybody uh, the last couple of years. So I'm curious, actually, with Hudson specifically, because there has been a changing of the guard. Now Mike Schultz is out. If there will be any change in deployment of pitchers, if that if that'll be altered in any way or not, I'm not that worried about it. I don't think it's going to change that much considering what their staff looks like. Um, Like Adam Wainwright's going to throw over 200 innings if he can. Um, And I assume like Dakota Hudson, like you said, uh, he, he very easily could get 25 starts. But the inning, I guess the inning count is what I'm most concerned about. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because they've got several pitchers who are coming off of very abbreviated seasons. So yes. it's it's going to be like uh, Mikolas, Hudson, and Flaherty combined for like 120 innings last year. I think Flaherty is probably going to get pushed to 150? like 160. 
150, 160 is probably about right. Um, Hudson has. I think he's too good to hold back. Hudson has like 48 innings in the last two years. Yeah. Uh, Mikolas threw 44 last year. I think that Hudson probably hits like 110, 120 right in that range and is probably cut off at that point. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Maybe maybe the 25 starts that I uh, was just talking about is a pipe dream. But the point is, while he's pitching, I, I do think he's going to be a good yeah. source of wins and ratios. Absolutely. And something that I bemoaned in a mock draft earlier this year was that I, I think the strikeouts are the one thing with pitchers that dries up pretty quickly. Yep. Like 100%. post 300, there are just no good strikeout pitchers left, really. Or you 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 have to dig, and and you're gonna have to get lucky. Like people uh, past that, there's no like, this guy's definitely gonna put it together. It's it's all bigger question marks after that point. So you you might have to get these sinker ballers. Uh, and speaking of sinker ballers, Carlos Hernandez was the second guy. I you, yes, I know if you're a listener that you've heard me talk about Carlos Hernandez. Love the stuff. It's a heavy, heavy, hard sinker. And two breaking ball breaking pitches with potential that I like. He's one of the like I like both the floor and the ceiling because mm-hmm. I think there's a solid floor with the sinker baller. And I think there's a potential for strikeouts there. So whether or not he puts it together, I still think he'll be a, a really good value for where he's getting drafted. Although, you know, maybe no. maybe not many wins with the uh, Kansas City Royals offense behind him but i that maybe this is bad fantasying but uh, i i i never draft with wins in mind really they're so i mean it's such an unpredictable stat to a certain extent like i mean not completely because obviously like teams that are better are going to probably net you more wins with the starters you take from them like you're going to get like someone like a pitcher of equal uh quality is playing for the pirates and someone of equal quality is playing for the Yankees, you're going to take the one that's on the Yankees probably. Maybe not Schwebzy because he hates the Yankees. Um, but regardless, uh, you're always going to take the team that has the better offense behind them because they're, in theory, going to provide them more opportunities to get wins. So uh, that's pretty Jake, much the only thing I look at Jake, Jake DeGrom, Jake DeGrom has fewer career wins than Kyle Gibson. So wild to me, man. <laughs> Just the sheer lack of run support that that man gets. It's very, very sad. I was, I was, Ugh. I was, t- I think I, I forget if you were there, but I, one of my Twitter bits this year is going to be tracking Jake DeGrom's career wins versus his, his, uh, peers in Major League Baseball. Oh, yeah. Like you, e- each win he gets, I'm going to be like today, Jake DeGrom passed Bruce Chet in career wins. It's, yep. And no one else is going to think it's funny, but I will. No, this is a bit that you should keep doing, honestly, because it is it's genuinely hilarious how little support that man has gotten and mm-hmm. how often he's had to do it literally by himself before they came up with the DH. Do you think they'll ever still let him hit if there's a DH? I don't, Probably I don't not. think so. He's still like, even there's the, like, the, the there's only like hitters. Who, oh, sorry. I mean, <laughs> the only pitchers who should still hit are ba- basically Otani, uh, maybe Lorenzen. But that's like the list. I think full stop. That's pre- yeah, that's pretty much it. And the the last guy, the rookie who floundered is and you you said you hate this, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of out. Just I'll, I'll give my reasons why after uh, you go. Uh, Edward go Cabrera. And uh basically 
this is just me betting on stuff because the stuff is absolutely electric. Uh, and you know, if you're, if you're a prospect person, then you know that the stuff is electric. The question is going to be, can he get a rotation spot because the Marlins are flush with pitchers and can he not walk the world? Uh, and those are two, you know, the, the, those, the answers to those questions are both up in the air at the moment, but you know, Jesus Lazardo has underperformed pretty much his entire career so far. Eliezer Hernandez was disappointing last year. Pablo Lopez's shoulder is made of paper mache. So those last three spots in the Marlins rotation, I'd be shocked if any of those guys pitched, you know, a full season. So there's going to be opportunities for Edward Cabrera. And I Sixto say like I don't real I'm not betting on Sixto Sanchez this year. Like anywhere. I'm probably going to have zero shares of Sixto Sanchez this I mean, year. Yeah, that I mean all the reports that have been coming out have been pretty discouraging to say the least. So that's I mean, I, I agree with you there. I wouldn't be in on um on Sixto at all personally. All right. So the Edward Cabrera's main issue last year in his short uh, major league time was the walks. He walked, God, uh, what's the percentage? Nin- he, he walked 19 people in like 26 innings or something like that. Yeah. He, he walked 15.8% of the batters he saw, which is not good. Uh, and in AAA, in what, what was it, 29 innings last year, he walked 14.7% of the batters he faced. Also very bad. Don't like don't love yeah. to see that. This but this screams bullpen risk to me. Before before that sixty inning very small sample size, he never walked more than nine point six percent at any stop. That's that's not a number that you usually see make a leap like that all of a sudden, like and stay there. Like, I don't, I, I don't believe that that's not that I, I don't believe he's not going to bounce back from that. And the stuff, as I said, is electric. He regularly put up, you know, 30 plus percent strikeout rates in the minors. He struck out what 9.5 per nine, uh, while, while, while walking the world in his uh, major league stint last year. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm betting on the stuff and I, just as soon as he secures a rotation spot, which you know could happen in spring training, could happen in May, I'm going to be all over him. I might not draft him unless I've got a really deep bench, but yeah, I'm going to be very much keeping an eye on him this year. Fair enough. Okay, so like the thing that I guess bugs me about Edward Cabrera, I, I agree that the stuff is very, very good. The walks are incredibly, incredibly concerning to me. I know that there's a possibility that it could like regress back towards kind of where he was for his career previous to that. But that nine point whatever percent it was still feels a bit too high. Um, And also, like you mentioned before, just the sheer amount of arms that they have available to be in that starting rotation is already very deep. Beyond Mm -hmm. that, there's also Max Meyer behind him who got a couple outings in triple a last year. I mean, between his double a and triple a, he pitched over a hundred innings. And I think he had like an ERA just above two, uh, with like a 10 or 11 K per nine rating. Um, I'm much higher on Max Meyer than I am on, 
um, Edward Cabrera. Maybe not for this year necessarily, but definitely for 2023 and beyond. Okay. Um, yeah, I think the walk rate is just something that you have to really keep an eye on. If he continues to have issues with this with it this year, I think he eventually ends up getting just relegated to the bullpen unless he can make a market improvement. That's that's the thing I'm most afraid of with Edward Cabrera. It's why I'm not going to be getting any shares of him this year. Yeah, and I it's it's definitely it, it it's always almost always in your best interest to be to hedge your bets with a uh, young pitchers. Because yes. you know, we all know tin step and whatnot, but mm-hmm. man, there's just there, there's not many arms I'm more willing to bet on. Just like the she- sheer arm talent there, and like the the in inhuman sliders that uh, sinkers that he throws, <laughs> they are good. The stuff is disgusting. That is something I'm f- in full agreement with you on for sure, and I hope that he can wield it. Yeah, I hope he harnesses it. Sure, yeah, be great. Um, so, okay. I got two names for this as far as like very deep pitchers, not named Ashby and Houck. So, uh, the one that I'm first going to talk about is some, I'm not going to even say that much about him pretty much. If you need to know why I'm talking about him, just go watch the video that's just been floating around Twitter of him very clearly. He's been, he's been in the lab. It's Mitch Keller. Uh, he's been training this off season. I can't remember what the training center is that he's been working with offhand. Um, I'm not sure, but Mitch Keller is now just casually pumping 100 in bullpen sessions and is his ADP is 539. He's got like a hundred mile an hour fastball. He's got like an 85 mile an hour slider that looks very, very, very good. So that pit that one, just like the movement separation along with like that velo separation between the fastball and slider is enough for me to buy in by itself. And he has a changeup thrown in there as well. Uh, minimum pick so far over the past two weeks has been 364. So still available super duper late in drafts, even if you try to beat his minimum. Um, a guy that's pumping 100 and looks like he's revamped his arsenal uh, this offseason is someone that's well worth taking the chance on at that point. So I'm happy to take a chance on Mitch Keller here. Uh, again, I think the wins are limited because he's going to be pitching for Pittsburgh, which is unfortunate. But uh, at that point in the draft, there's not going to be many better options with as much upside as it seems like he has with his revamped arsenal. So I would take him. Uh, the other one person that I want to talk about just very briefly is Michael Fulmer. Uh, very on brand. So yes, very, very on brand here uh, with Fulmer. He is, I think probably the most likely closer quote unquote closer. Cause he doesn't have the role yet because uh, AJ Hinch said that it's currently Gregory Soto's role in Detroit. Um, I think that he is the quote-unquote closer, Michael Fulmer, that is the most likely to get 20 saves after pick 300. I think it's fully possible that he gets 20-plus saves this year. Um, Soto had a pretty high whip last year. His ERA was not great, and he got outpitched by Fulmer pretty much from July 1st onward. Uh, Rick Graham actually highlighted this in his Top 30 Closers article that he wrote recently that got released. I think it was on... Might have been on launch day for PL7, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, but it's pretty much between those two as far as who would be the closer at any point. So I do think that although Soto has been named the closer in Detroit, if he scuffles at all at the beginning of the year, I think it's very likely that Fulmer can end up taking and running with the role. Yeah, I I like it. I'm just trying. I'm trying to think of who who after 300. 
like I'm, I'm trying to think if I have an argument here for for someone more likely to get to 30 saves after 300. Is so, Anthony Bender plus 300? Because that would be another one. Anthony Bender is 443 at the moment. Okay, so uh, that's another one that'd be really, really good. Rowan Wick also around 300. See, actually, I think that if anyone for the sorry for the Cubs uh, would do it, I think maybe Cody Hoyer. Yeah, yeah, Hoyer's a possibility be, for sure. Would be an option as well. I mean, that's going to be by committee, I think, in Chicago. Like, I think Rowan Wick, we talked to our friend uh, Unforgettable Fire about this, and he said, like, the middle of last year that he that Wick was going to have the role coming into this year, which he very clearly has to start with. Um, I just think that there's a lot of fluidity in that situation in particular, so I'm not so sure I want to buy in on Wick. Yeah, and I, I've, I've heard people high on uh robert suarez i I believe that was i believe that was jeff erickson who i did the pitch con panel with okay it was either mike gianella or jeff erickson i forget which of the two of them liked suarez i'll just pick up those names i'm dropping Uh, i was i was about to just like call you out on that i was like you saw my face and you knew i was gonna say something you corrected yourself yep cut you off on that one Mm. but uh yeah i think roster resource currently has pierce johnson listed as the closer for san diego and Uh i don't think that's gonna hold then Nelson Lamette, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I mean, it, it would kind of be cool. Could Sulcer in Baltimore? Probably not. But yeah, uh, There's, oh man. we we we've or uh, I've I've had some discourse. <laughs> I, I I like to I like to use discourse as a as a replacement word for arguments. Had some discourse <laughs> on Twitter for uh, uh, closers being drafted earlier, seemingly this year, uh, and. Yeah, a lot like basically every closer who is assumed to have a job, their ADP is getting pushed up higher and higher and higher. Like guys like Joe Barlow and David Bednar, who I am would I'm so surprised are getting drafted so high are just like their ADP is just zooming. Yeah, I think more people are becoming wise to bed or not. Sorry, not Bednar, uh, but Barlow, because. uh, Oh, gosh. There's two relievers that are coming back, and I can't remember either of their names right now because I don't DeMarcus have them written Evans. down. Maybe. Mm. Yes. No. I'm gonna look. Sorry, I'm gonna look at uh, roster resource very, very quickly. Um. Oh, Jonathan Hernandez and Jose mm. Leclerc. Oh, are both yeah. coming back from injury this year. So because they both had Tommy John. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. They're liable to come back at some point this year, and both of them are very, very good young arms that I think could displace barlow fairly easily if he scuffles again and like barlow while he had a lot of success in his short run as the closer doesn't have the most electric stuff necessarily either like only 27 strikeouts over 29 innings relied pretty heavily on uh favorable contact so i don't know if i necessarily like him that much yeah and also i mean closer his his minor league career he's he's a career my uh reliever in the minor leagues which you don't I feel like you don't see that too often like a lot a lot of closers are are like former starters that just transition to it but yeah uh, yeah so his body of work in the minor leagues is like 150 innings so we do just yeah, not, not, not not going off of a lot like and yeah he had he struck out like two guys to per per walk last year which is not great yeah not ideal for a closer but one yeah, five so five five clear. Love you, yes, yes. I mean, Joe Barlow probably steering clear of, as opposed to David Bednar has, I think, a better. They, so the only issue there is, I think, Dave, uh, sorry, uh, 
Bednar? Rick Rick Graham. Oh my gosh, oh, I oh. almost forgot Rick's first name. Rick uh, talked about this in his uh, Top 30 Closers article as well, that he thinks that possibly, because they're not necessarily competing, Chris Stratton as a veteran could steal some saves from Bednar. But I think with Bednar being like far and away clearly a better pitcher, that he should have a safer bet of getting the lion's share of saves in Pittsburgh, which the, the few that there actually are. Uh, um, you just you just drafted Bednar in our, the On the Wire League, right? I did. Yeah. You know, you know who else? The as as a final statement in this episode, you, who else did you get in the uh, on the wire league? Aaron Ashby, baby. Uh, our our manager, uh, Adam Howe, is is a noted Aaron Ashby stan, almost as big of an Aaron Ashby stan as Jordan White here. Yeah, and, but now only one of us has a hundred percent share in all their drafts of Aaron Ashby, <laughs> and, and it's not Adam. Get wrecked, Adam. Have a nice day. Um. I think that's a good note to end the podcast on. Yeah. Just dunking on our podcast manager. Uh, That'll be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you like the show, be sure to like, subscribe, leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And we will see you again next week now that we're doing weekly episodes again. Stay tuned for position previews. Yeah. All right, Chubbsy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye, friends.